How we doing, church? I want to thank you all for joining us today, no matter where you're watching, um, whether it's right here on site or whether it's at our Crescent campus, online, or at St. Greg's. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, if you've got a Bible, open it, uh, turn it on, follow along in your outline, or watch on screen. Uh, we're going to be in John chapter 11 today. We're in week number four um, of a series called Grave Robbers, and we've got a couple more weeks left in this series, um, but, but this, series has been, this series has been fun. Um, John chapter 11, we're just going through it section by section, just talking about all the things um, that, that kind of have us bound down um, and, and, and buried and how Jesus calls us out of that. Let, let me start off today by getting us on common ground. Last week, we kind of talked about our differences, right? Remember that? Uh, today, we're going to talk about, like, some similarities that we have. Because a, a lot of times, people like to focus on our differences. But as I've told you, I like to focus on what we have in common. And one of the things that everybody, no matter if you're in this room, no matter if you're watching online, no matter if you're in Crescent or at St. Greg's, every single one of us at some point in our life has cried about something, right? Now, now we, we, we cry because we're humans. Like, that's the reason that we cry. It doesn't mean that you're weak. It doesn't mean that you're not strong. We just cry. Um, like, for example, everybody participate here, no matter where you're at. Everybody participate. If you're online, type the answer in. If you're in a room somewhere, just shout it out. How many, how many of you have ever cried at a movie? Like, that, that's pretty much everyone, and, and, unless you're heartless, right? What, what's, the, what's, the, what, what's, what's the first movie you remember crying at? Go ahead, just shout it out where you're at, type it in, just put it in there. First movie. Mine? My first movie? First movie I ever cried at, Old Yeller. Now, now don't judge me, because that movie's jacked up. Where that little boy goes out at the end and has to shoot his dog. You're like, what, what is that? The little boy shot his dog. That was horrible. I bawled. If I watched that movie today, I would probably bawl. We cry all kinds of different movies. I saw people cry at the last Avenger movie when Iron Man died. I don't, I don't know if I spoiled that for you or not, but dude died. And so we cry for lots of different reasons. Some people cry for physical pain, right? Like if you hurt. Last week, um, we started high school softball practice, and, and, and I twisted my back hitting pop flies to the outfield. And I went home, and I shed a tear. Like actually, I whined about it more than I cried, but, but it hurt. Some people, um, I'm not going to say if this is men or women, I'm just going to say in general, one of the genders cry for sometimes no reason at all. And you don't even know why you're crying. You just cry. And when we ask you why, you say, I don't know. And sometimes you know you need that. It's cool. And, and I'm not cracking on you. I'm just saying it happens. I'm talking about men here right now. <laughs> Women cry too, but men. Um, I have a little confession, a little just, uh, just straight up confession time. Um, it's graduation weekend, and so um, <laughs> like, I'll, I'll let you know a little secret about me. I have a complete meltdown, meltdown, every time the song Butterfly Kisses comes on the radio. And it's like a train wreck. Like, it comes on, and, and I want to turn it off, but I can't. I can't change it. And it's like, 
walk beside the pony, Dad. It's my friend. Like, I'm, I'm going to lose it right now. Uh, I just, like, I pull over, and I, like, ugly cry on the side of the road, like snot coming down and everything. It's, it's, it's horrible. We all cry for different reasons. And one of the things that sometimes happens when we cry, when we're going through some sort of pain, is we ask the question of, hey, God, where you at? Hey, God, what's going on? Like, like I, I'm crying. Hey, God, I'm, I'm upset, like emotionally, physically bothered. Like I'm buried in my pain. Jesus, where are you? Where are you at in the middle of my pain? And that's what we're going to talk about today because I think that the series that we're in, Grave Robbers, I think it really does speak to that. Now, let me do a really quick review. We started out several weeks ago finding out that Jesus had this friend named Lazarus. And Lazarus was in, what, what was his condition? Lazarus was what? Who remembers? He was sick, right? Jesus finds out. He stands up and he says, hey, this sickness will not end in death, right? It will not end in death. And then he just sits down. And for two days, he doesn't move. He just kind of hung out. And then he says to the disciples after a couple days, hey, we're going to go to Judea where Lazarus is. But the last time they had been there, rocks had got thrown at Jesus, and so the disciples didn't want to go. And we said, sometimes, um, even when we know what our next step is, even if it's an easy step, it's difficult to take. But our next step, no matter how difficult it is, our next step is always the right step. And then within that message, we blew up the myth of the closer you get to Jesus, the easier it is to follow him. Because we said, you don't get any closer to Jesus than the disciples. And they're all freaking out. And they're not wanting to follow. And Jesus finally says, hey, we're going. And they take their next step and they get there. Well, when they get there, last week we talked about how Martha runs out to Jesus and she says, hey, Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But you're here four days late, and now that you're here, my brother's dead. And if you had just shown up, and then her sister Mary goes out to Jesus and says the same thing. And we talked about how many times we're in battles that we have no business being in. And instead of fighting the battle, we need to turn it over to Jesus and let him fight that battle for us. Well, today, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. And, and I'm, I, I, I've never really understood this passage until I was preparing for this series. Um, this is where we left off last week, verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and here specifically it's Mary, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw other people wailing. Now, wailing is way more than like a tear coming down your eye. Wailing is like freaking out. Wailing is you're losing your dang mind. Like that, that's what's happening right here. People freaking out. Um, other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Now, that's Jesus, right? Deep anger welled up within Jesus. Jesus is deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked. They, they told him, Lord come and see. Now, real quick, another thing all of us have in common is all of us have things that just get on our last freaking nerve, right? Every one of us has that. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. We've made lists before of pet peeves or things that anger us. We, we all have those, and I'm sure we could spend the rest of the morning making a huge list of all the things that bother us, that bother us and bother us and bother us, and eventually get us to a point of anger where we're losing our mind. But what stands out to me here, like, th th to me, this is huge, because right here, Jesus is 
obviously bothered because the Bible says a deep anger welled up within him. And as I'm reading through this, my initial thought is, why? Like, Jesus, why are you mad, bro? Like, like what's going on? Jesus, like, like, seriously, you could have solved this whole problem. None of this was necessary. It, you could have done something as soon as you found out your friend Lazarus was sick, and Lazarus would not have even died, and we wouldn't even have to be here right now. So, Jesus, why are you mad? Why are you deeply troubled? And it wasn't until, honestly, a couple of weeks ago that I finally realized the, the reason that Jesus is angered and deeply troubled, the, the reason that Jesus is feeling those emotions is because of his compassion. Because don't, don't miss this. Jesus really does feel what we feel. He, he really does. Jesus really does feel what we feel. So when we're going through hurt, Jesus knows what that feels like. When we're going through pain, Jesus knows what that feels like. When we're going through stress, Jesus knows what that feels like. Because, because he was fully God, but he was also fully man. And so the big point right here is that, that nobody, 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 nobody watching this right now, nobody sitting in this room, nobody sitting at St. Greg's, nobody in Creston, nobody has ever suffered alone. One of the one of the big myths that exists in Christianity is, well, if you'll just accept Jesus and read your Bible and do about 800 other things, life will never go bad. I'm telling you, sometimes as a Christian, life absolutely sucks. It just flat out sucks. It, it, it does. I'm sorry, there, there's no other real way to say that. And if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you understand that, you get that. Sometimes it sucks. But at the end of the day, one of the best things about being a Christian is even though we have to suffer sometimes, we never have to suffer alone. If you've, if you've gone through betrayal, Jesus knows what it's like to be betrayed. If you go through abandonment, Jesus knows what it's like to be abandoned. If you go through hurt, Jesus knows what it's like to go through hurt. So as a follower of Jesus, I'm super thankful that I've never been alone in the middle of my pain. How, how about you? Now, 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 one of the things, one of the things, one of the questions um, that we get w- when we talk about this, and, 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 and I've asked this question myself too, is, well, Ryan, if, if Jesus is bothered by pain, then why doesn't he just eliminate all the evil and suffering? Well, two answers to that question. Um, number one, one day he will. One, one day he will. One day all evil and suffering will be gone. But number two, if Jesus were to decide to wipe out all the evil and suffering in the world today at like 1 o'clock, none of us would be here at 101. Like, like, like none of us. Because we're all jacked up. We're all evil. And we all do things. Like, and I know what some of you are saying. Well, I wouldn't call myself evil. I'll ask your spouse. They'll, they'll tell me. Right? Or I'll ask your, your brother or your sister. I'll find somebody who will tell me the truth about whether you're evil or not. Oh, that's okay. Don't worry about it, Pastor. I got you. Yeah, you're, you're right. Nobody here, nobody here is struggling with, you know what? My biggest struggle this week was I was so perfect. I don't know how I was so perfect. Dear God, please help me from being so perfect. All of us have struggles. All of us have messed up. 
All of us have things in our life that are not in line with the Word of God. Some of us have done those things this week. Some of us have struggled with those things even this morning. And so the reason that Jesus doesn't wipe out all the evil and suffering is because of his compassion for us. And so if you're in this room and you're in the middle of a season of suffering, understand this. What breaks your heart also breaks God's heart. And you have never, ever suffered alone. Now, this verse right here leads to one of the most confusing, misquoted, and shortest verses in the entire Bible. John 11.35 says, Then Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Let me ask you a question here. Did Jesus know what he was about to do, yes or no? Yes. Did did Jesus know he was getting ready to call Lazarus back to life? Yes or no? Yes. So why would he cry over a death he knew he was about to put an end to? Let me kind of explain it like this. Let me set it up like this. Um, I don't know if you know this about me or not. This might be brand new news to some of you. Um, But I'm a huge Colts fan. Love the Colts. Love, love, love the Indianapolis Colts. Um, They won the Super Bowl in 2007. They beat the Chicago Bears. Um, It's the greatest thing ever because I hate the Bears. I know some of you are Bears fans. Whatever, get over it. You lost. It It was a great game. But it didn't start out great for Colts fans. Started out great for Bears fans. Did not start out great for Colts fans. Devin Hester ran back the opening kickoff. Now, you probably only remember that um, if you're a Colts fan or a Bears fan. Um, the Colts went back, came back, they won. It was great. It was, it, was, it was awesome. It was incredible. But let's say today, let's say today, it's probably not going to happen today because it's graduation day and I'm celebrating. But let's say there's another day. And let's say that I'm bored. And so I call you and I'm like, hey, why don't you come over to my house and we're going to watch a replay of the 2007 Super Bowl. And so you say, okay. And so you come over, and we're sitting on my couch. The game starts, opening kickoff. Hester gets the ball. Hester runs back the ball. And let's say when that happens, like we're watching the game together, we know what the outcome of the game is going to be, right? We know the Colts win the Super Bowl. But let's say when that happened, when Hester gets the ball, and he runs back, and he scores that touchdown, I'll just completely break down. I'll just lose it. Like I just fall on the floor and start weeping and gnashing teeth and kicking and screaming and freaking out. None of you look at me and say, well, that's normal. You're thinking, dude, what the heck? Like, Ryan, you know the outcome. Why would you cry? Like, why are you freaking out when you know what's going to happen? You know exactly what the outcome of this game is going to be, which means there has to be something else going on in this text. Because I don't believe that Jesus is crying because Lazarus is dead. I believe that Jesus is crying because when we hurt, he hurts too. He can emphasize with our pain because he's been there. We don't serve a distant deity church who's off somewhere saying, you know what? I hope you idiots get it together some point in your life. We serve a God who says, I know what you're going through. I've been there and you're not alone. Then this happens, verse 36. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. I, I, don't, I honestly don't think they really understood him. They're watching him. 
but they don't understand him, which for me, like cards on the table, sometimes a lot of times, <laughs> I don't understand him. I, I, I really don't. See how much he loved him. But some said, and, and these people, these people are always around. Some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? They're so insensitive. Don't miss this. They're so insensitive that they're criticizing Jesus at a funeral. Well, technically, it's not a funeral. Funeral was four days ago. But they're so insensitive. They're, they're standing at the tombs, and they're criticizing Jesus. But, but, but think about it like this. <laughs> Actually, let me, let me set this up like this. Um, <laughs> there's this thing today called text language, all right? Many of you know who know me, you understand I don't like texting. I got a two-text limit, and then I'm calling you on the phone. Like, you, you, if you've been around Central for any amount of time, you understand where I'm at on texting. The staff will tell you I'm not a fan of texting. Um, but um, we have letters that stand for things in texting, and, and I don't get hardly any of these. Like, I sometimes got to look it up. I got to ask my son or I got to ask my daughter, like, what they meant. Usually, they're the ones who are sending them to me. It just, like, drives me absolutely crazy. If you want to say something, say it. Just type it out. It's, like, it's easy. Like, there's not a text limit. I mean, we have smartphones. They come in. Just, ah! It's like pet peeve, right? One of those things that bother me and deeply anger me at the same time. That's probably where they're at. So, so I've got some things. I just want to, I just want to throw some of these up there and see if you got these. Now listen, listen, listen. No matter where you're at right now, do not say these out loud. Don't say them out loud, all right? I just just see if you know what they are. Just raise your hand or type yes. Don't type them online if you know what they are. Just just kind of just kind of sit there, all right? And just kind of understand like, yeah, I know. So raise your hand if you know these, all right? Here's the first one. Here's the first one. IDK. You know what that means? I don't know. That's what some of you are saying right now. I don't know. I don't know what that, I don't know. That's what it means. I don't know. I didn't know that forever. I'm like, why do they keep like spelling, are they trying to spell another word wrong or something? Like, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, how about this one? Raise your hand if you know this one. How many of you know this one? OMW. On my way. All the late people last week, like th- this is your thing. Remember we talked about late people last week? This is the one you got. This one is like, autom- this is one of your auto responses on your phone. Like when somebody's calling you and you don't want to talk to them and you can kind of swipe up and you get all the response, can I call you back later, whatever, you just OMW. That's what you got right there. How about this one? Hello, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you know. Like this one, I use this one. Like all, I probably overuse this one. I use this when I'm really not even doing this right here, when I'm really not laughing out loud. I just want you to think that you're funny. And so, like, that's kind of where I go with that. Um, remember, don't say these out loud, all right? Don't say these out loud. Don't say them out loud. Don't say them out loud. How about this one right here? WTF. Where's the fun? Right? Isn't that what that means? That's what that means, right? When I see that, when somebody texts that to me, like when that's coming from one of my kids or one of the staff people, like that's it, right? Hey, pastor, let's go. Where's the fun? Oh, it means something different? That's what you think? You're thinking something different? Come up here for prayer, sinners. I just, how about this last one? SMH. SMH. I get this thing all the time for people. SMH. Like, what is that? Shaking my head. Why don't you just say you're shaking your head? Now, here's the thing. Here's the point to all of this. If I was texting 
about this particular story. Right here, in this moment, SMH is what I would send. Because this, as I read this story, it causes me to shake my head and say, uh, what is going on? Like, like, why is this happening like this? And, and, and here's, here, here's really the reason why. Here's why this is confusing to me. Because I know this in my own life, and I know this in a lot of our lives as well. When we go through pain, we always blame God, right? Ser- seriously, think about that. When we go through pain, we always blame God. But when we go through good times, how often do we thank him? H- how, how much? How much do we thank him when we're going through good times? Sometimes, legitimately, we just forget. I thought about this the other day. I changed vehicles this week, and I was doing the paperwork for the insurance. Um, and I was, I was kind of like reading through all the fine print. And it talks about, I was reading the area where it talks about the act of God. That you, you, know, you know what I'm talking about? You can be insured against acts of God. And so I'm like, well, what is an act of God? And we were talking about it, and they're like hurricanes and mudslides. I got a Jeep, and so I guess it was important that a mudslide happened, that that was a thing. Like deer, act of God, a tornado is an act of God. And so we're talking about this. I'm like, why does God get, get the blame for all the bad stuff? But, but none of the good stuff. Like, like, like we, we see the good of God all of the time. And sometimes we take it for granted, don't we? Don't, don't we see incredible acts of God every single day that we don't even, that we don't even acknowledge? Like, 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 for instance, a sunset. Like I, think, I think a sunset, like a cool sunset, like that, that's a sunset out at Swan Lake. That, isn't that cool? Like, that's just, that's an act of God. Like, that, that's a reminder that God's just painting the sky. A newborn baby. I think a newborn baby, man, when you see that, that blows my mind. That is an act of God. You, you're, you're not going to win an argument against me to say, well, evolution and science and, shut up. That's an act of God. Whenever I see what's for lunch at Borden Arrows, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I think that's an act of God. You know what I'm saying? So, 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 so don't miss this. What they're doing at the gravesite is, is they're, 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 they're taking shots at Jesus. Like they're blaming God for what has happened, and they're doing it because of the pain. And, and, and we do the same thing. I know I have done the same thing. But Jesus handles it, right, because he's Jesus. Jesus was all right. The, verse, the, the next verse says this, verse 38. Jesus was still, what's that word say? angry like, like we always talk about happy jesus like puppy dog and rainbow and bucket of suckers jesus we never talk about angry jesus but again same emotions that we have while he was still angry or jesus was so angry as he arrived at the tomb that's a big deal uh, at the tomb a cave with a stone rolled across his entrance as i was studying through this this verse captivated me um, but I couldn't quite figure out why. It took me some time to like kind of understand, like, why, is, why am I focusing on this part, this part, this part? And then I finally figured it out. L- let me kind of explain this one like this. Um, there are some places that I don't want to go. Th- there are some places that I'm just not going to go to. I'm not going to go there. And I'm not going to go there because I don't want to, and I don't have to. People say all the time, oh, you have to. No, no, I'm 47 years old now. I don't have to do anything. Right? You, you, you can't make me. I don't, I don't have to do it. Like, for example, every year, 
every single year, without fail, around Halloween, I've always got people that come up to me and say, hey, pastor, you need to come to the haunted house with me. Nope, I'm not going. I'm not. I'm not going. I grew up in a haunted house, all right? My dad was always trying to scare me all the time. He took great pleasure in scaring me. I'm not going. I don't have to. I don't want to go. The last time, true story, the last time I went to a haunted house, I got scared by a group of witches in like the last room. Like I walk into the last room and this group of witches pop out from behind the door and, this, and, and, and they scared me to death. And so I took off running and I ran out the door and the Jason or the Michael Myers, like I don't even know which one is which, they're running up this ramp with the chainsaw and he's coming at me and I'm coming at him and I lowered my shoulder and I took him out and I just kept on running. I got to what I thought was a safe distance. I turned around, honest to God, my friends are piled up on top, top of Jason Michael, whichever one it was, and they're just like in this, this horror story pile. It was, it was the greatest thing ever. But I'm not going to a haunted house. I'm not a big fan of getting scared. I don't understand how you are. I used to have friends in high school, and they, they would ask me. They'd be like, hey, you want to go to the graveyard and do an Ouija board? No. No, I don't want to go to the graveyard and do anything. Let's go to Taco Bell and see how many hot sauce packets we can eat. Like, that's what I want to do. Right? There are dead people there. I don't, I don't want to go. The thing is, in this particular culture, you didn't go to the place where the tombs were because they would make you unclean. You would be unclean. And so Jesus, don't miss this, he's in an unsafe place. We established that earlier because he's in a place where they throw rocks, right? And he's in an unsafe place, and Lazarus was dead. Dead people were considered unclean. Therefore, religiously, you were considered unclean as well, as unsafe. But don't miss this. Jesus went to an unclean place to reach out to an unclean person. Don't miss that. Jesus went to an unsafe, unclean place to reach out to an unsafe, unclean person. Everybody knows Everybody knows that you've got unsafe, unclean people in your life, right? I mean, you, you, you know that. You've got people in your life, when you see them coming, have you ever pretended to be on the phone? You ever done that? You see them come, pick up your phone, and they're like, oh, yeah, hey, how you, how's your mom? How are things going? Right? right? You laugh because you've done that to your spouse. Um, <laughs> but, but, but the thing here is, is that Jesus, don't miss this, Jesus went there to this unsafe place and see one of the myths that we believe is that jesus loves really clean sparkling people you know what i've discovered about clean sparkling people they're only clean and sparkling because they have a dirty closet right am, am i right when mary and i were first dating and i knew she was going to come over to my house like i would take all of the dirty dishes and i put them in the bathtub and like close all the curtain i'd take all the clothes and stuff off the floor everywhere and i'd throw them in the closet because we want to pretend right and, and one of the things i love about jesus is when we're when we're following jesus when we're around jesus nobody has to pretend because jesus is not afraid of unsafe unclean people he's not a, he's not afraid to be around those people in fact in in mark's gospel mark chapter 2 we're really going to dive into this next week. You're, you're not going to want to miss next week. I'm going to come back next week when we talk about this stuff. But Mark says this um, in Mark chapter 2, verse 13. Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi. Um, he, this is also this is Matthew. 
um, Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Now, we've talked about this before in this church, but tax collectors in Jewish society 2,000 years ago were the bottom of the moral ladder. You couldn't go any lower than a tax collector. These people were scum of the earth. People absolutely detested them. And Jesus walks up to this dude while he's collecting taxes. Don't miss this. While he's in the act of sinning against God and says, I want you to follow me. Jesus did not say, hey, clean up and follow me. Jesus said, follow me, and eventually you will become the person you need to be. That's the attitude of Jesus towards us. Now, it gets better. Watch this. Verse 15. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guest. And so he's like, hey, Jesus, why don't you guys come to my house and be my guest? And, and Jesus is probably like, well, are we going to do Bible study, Matthew? Uh, no, it's going to be a little bit different than a Bible study. Because watch what happens. Uh, come as a dinner guest along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. And, and I'll read this, and I'm like, well, what's a reputable sinner, right? Like, I, I want, uh, anyway. Um, there were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. And so Mark tells us the people that were jacked up, the people that were scandalous, the people that nobody else really wanted to hang out with, those were the people that were hanging out with Jesus. And I've told you this before, and it's worth repeating. This is not my quote. This is a quote from Andy Stanley, but I absolutely love it. It says, Jesus liked people that were nothing like him, and people that were nothing like him liked him. I, I love that. Just absolutely love that. Jesus liked people that were nothing like him, and people that were nothing like him liked him. It goes on to say this in verse 16, but when the teachers of the religious law, they're always in the story, right? And it never goes good when they're involved. Teachers of the religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners. They asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? Like the, the people that thought they knew the Bible better than anybody else, the people who, who worked really hard to keep all the commandments and not break God's laws, the people who were morally clean, they're like, oh, Jesus, uh, you're hanging out with the wrong crowd. They're like, Jesus, you don't hang around with those people. Those people are nasty. Those people are dirty. And then verse 17, look what Jesus says. When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm super glad that I know I'm sick because only sick people need a savior. Some people say, well, if you're sick, you're unqualified to follow Jesus. I actually think you're not qualified to follow Jesus until you understand how sick you really are. Until we are sick and realize we need a savior, we never actually follow him. And that's the truth. Let me push down on this a little bit more. And I'll probably get some serious pushback from saying this, um, but it's cool. Um, if Jesus were alive today, like if he was living, walking today, he, we know he's alive. We, we know he's, he's alive. But if he was here walking today and he had a choice to go to a bar or a Bible study, according to the pattern of Scripture that we see, he picks the bar every single time. Now, 
I'm not giving you permission to go out and get hammered tonight and start dancing and singing on the coffee table with a lampshade on your head and you're busting out Garth Brooks. Like that, that's, that's not what he's doing. But in doing this right here and having dinner at Matthew's house, he was showing the world, you know what? I have a heart for people that nobody actually has a heart for anymore. And that's, that's why I love this. And we're going to talk about this more next week. But, but I love that about Jesus, that he went to this unsafe, unclean place because he wanted to reach out to an unclean, unsafe person. Back to John chapter 11, it says this in, in verse 39. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he has been dead for four days. She had to remind him. He's been dead four days. If you had been here, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Dude, he's been dead four days. The smell will be terrible. Now, I'm going to agree with Martha right here. Aren't you? Body decomposing in the Middle East, in the hot sun, even though, like, it's in the tomb for four days. Nobody, nobody's like, oh, I need to go to Yankee Candle and get that scent, right? Nobody wants that. Nobody. I don't care how much Febreze you put on this. You're not getting this smell out. Now, don't miss this. Once again, we see Martha, who is close to Jesus. Yes or no? Yes. She's standing right next to him. She's talking to him, right? She's close to Jesus. We see Martha, who's close to Jesus, pushing back. It goes again against, against that idea of following Jesus is always easy. No, it's not. It, it's not. Because Jesus said, roll the stone aside, and instead of saying, yes, Lord, she puts up a fight. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. No, 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 no. Jesus, the smell, it's all, it's, I'm not going to do it. Now, I understand that Martha catches a lot of flack for this, but let's just be honest. Would you have rolled back the stone? W- would you? I don't, I don't think we would have. I, I, don't, I don't think I would have because let's, let's say it this way. Let's say that you have somebody very close to you, and, and, and they pass away. They die, and I'm out of town, and so I can't get there to do the funeral. Um, I get back to town four days um, after they died, four days after the funeral has already taken place. So four days after the funeral, um, I show up at your house, and I'm just like, hey, um, why don't we go together to the grave? I want to pay my last respects. I'm, I'm going to kind of, and, and you, you're just kind of like, okay, yeah, let's, let's go. And so we hop in the Jeep. We drive to the cemetery. We get to the grave. I look at you. You look at me. I look at the grave. I point to the grave, and I said, dig him up. Nobody, nobody here is going to say, oh, okay. No, you're going to be like, WTF, Ryan? Where's the fun, right? <laughs> but, but, but I don't, but I don't, I don't blame Martha. I don't blame Martha for pushing back on Jesus because what Jesus was asking her to do doesn't make sense. And sometimes, don't miss this, sometimes when Jesus speaks into our lives, it doesn't make sense. And even even when we know that we know that we know that we know that he is right, we still put up a fight. And don't miss this. What, What she is saying is right. What Martha is saying makes sense. What Jesus is saying doesn't make any sense. But I've said this for the past three weeks in this series. I've brought up this passage of Scripture. And at the end of the day, if we believe this, then we've got to hold to it. That if his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and his ways are higher than our ways, then we're, we're going to have to go with what he says every single time. 
So John tells us in verse 40, Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? The answer is no. No. Like if you read John 11, there's no record of Jesus saying this to her. Now, now he said something similar to the disciples. Remember? Hey, hey, Jesus, your friend Lazarus is dead. This sickness will not end in death. This will happen for the glory of God. Like he, he did that, but he did not say this to her. And so there's got to be something else that's going on right here. And we kind of talked about this last week, where Martha goes to Jesus, and Jesus says, hey, I am the resurrection and the life, and your brother will live again. Do you believe this, Martha? And Martha doesn't answer the question. She goes, I believe that you're the Messiah. Remember that? Remember she avoided the question? But you know what? I believe that it all gets together right here. And, and I believe her saying, you are the Messiah, like, I believe her saying, I believe that you are the Messiah. I believe that that was enough. And, and, and for me, what stands out in all of this is sometimes we might doubt. And sometimes we might not trust. And sometimes we might not believe that Jesus can solve our problem, but we still believe in Jesus. And I believe that's enough. Sometimes we can be in the middle of the storm and we can say, God, I don't know how you're going to work this out, but I believe in you. And I believe that's enough. Because Jesus is like, didn't I tell you? Like, I, I told you. I told you I was going to take care of this. Verse 41. So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Now, there's a message in this I don't have time to get into today, but one of the things that I began to understand in my life is that gratitude lays the groundwork to amazing things. Because Jesus, right, like, man, I so wish I, I could get into this today, but I just, I just can't. Right here, Jesus models. I love the fact that Jesus says, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Before the miracle happens. Because think about this. What if, what if we walk through life, and I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to anybody else right now. What if we walk through life with an attitude of gratitude saying thank you all the time instead of give me? What, what would that be like? What would that be like? Because t I think that thank you goes a whole lot farther than gimme, 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 gimme. Doesn't it? Thank you, thank you, thank you is a whole lot better than give me. Again, another message for another time, but, but that's what's happening right here. Jesus says, thank you, thank you, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. And by the way, he always hears us. Like, that's a message for us too. He always, even when we don't think that he does, he always hears us. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here, the people who are criticizing me the people who are cutting me down, the people who are doubting me, the people who doubt you and your calling, the people, that, right, that's what's going on. Verse 43, then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. Notice the exclamation point right there. He really yells this. He really screams this. Now, if you're there in this moment, you roll your eyes. You do, because I'd roll my eyes. Because don't miss this. Everybody here, Everybody there at that tomb had given up on Lazarus except for Jesus because Jesus doesn't give up on people. And, and, and let's be fair to the people there. Lazarus was dead. Typically, we give up on dead people. Like nobody at a funeral has ever been like, oh, I don't know, Earl. 
he might make it. Like, nobody's ever said that. Like, nobody. But, but I want to say this to the person that is sitting in here or is watching this right now that you think God has given up on you. You need to understand God doesn't give up on his children. God never gives up on his children. God speaks life to his children. Even when you feel like something is dead and it'll never live again, Jesus identifies what is dead and he calls it back to life. And sometimes he lets something die inside of us so he can speak life into it. And when that happens and when we get on the other side of it, we can look at somebody else who's gone through the same hell that we went through and say, I know you don't think that you're gonna make it through it right now. I know you think that you're down. And I know that you think you're destroyed, but you're going to make it through because Jesus speaks life into his children, and he always calls us to life. God has not given up on you. God has not given up on you. I love the fact right here that Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. Because if he would have just said, come out, I think all the dead people would have just come out. It would be like the walking dead right here. It would have been crazy. Again, I believe when, when Jesus spoke to life and to Lazarus, people rolled their eyes until verse 44. And the dead man came out. And everybody's like, WTF? Where's the fun? <laughs> That's what you're going to think of forever now, right? That's what you're going to think when your teenager sends that to you. Anyway, um, and the dead man came out. And then don't miss this. His hands and feet bound in grave clothes that's huge because he was wrapped up because when you died you had to have this religious ceremony and they wrapped up your hands and they wrapped up your feet and they kind of wrapped you up mummified you whatever it was a very religious type ceremony so he's wrapped up in these grave clothes his face wrapped in a head cloth jesus told them unwrap him in other words take what religion put on him take it off take it off of him take it off and let him go I was thinking about this the other day. Um, all of us probably know what it's like to be outside in the hot sun and we're working in the garden or we're playing sports or we're coaching softball or whatever and it's hot and we get sweaty and, 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 and sweat is just all over you and you just get nasty and gross and you got jeans on and, and, and your shirt and everything's just kind of sticking to you. You know what I'm talking about? When, when that happens, probably all of us have said the phrase, I'm so nasty, I can't wait to get out of these clothes. I can't wait to get into the shower. You, you've said that before, right? Like, I just, I just can't wait to get out of these clothes. I just can't wait. I'm so gross and nasty. I'm pretty sure that Lazarus, when he got up, he was like, you know, I, I can't, like, I, I mean, I'm alive, but I'm nasty. And I can't wait to get out of these clothes. And I want you to notice something right here. And, and I just saw this a few weeks ago. Lazarus couldn't get loose by himself because we only get healed in the context of relationship. Remember we talked about that last week? We don't get healed on our own? That's huge. Jesus said, hey, there's a man. He's wrapped in grave clothes. And all of you people, the people who didn't believe that he could come alive, go unwrap him and let him go. The reason I say that is because the reason so many people feel dead is because of the clothes that religion puts on us. You're not good enough. 
You're not good enough. You had this happen to you? You had that happen to you? That happened five years, ten years ago, three years ago, three months ago? That happened to you? You'll never be good enough. God's completely given up on you. There's nothing you could ever accomplish for the kingdom of God. You might as well just walk away. And the story that is true today about Lazarus is true for every single one of us. God has not given up on you. He has not given up on you. Take it from a guy who thought that everything, especially when it came to my ministry calling, thought everything was dead. And in the past several years, God has shown me that even when all hell breaks loose and the storm gets crazy, there's life on the other side. He did it for Lazarus, and he did it for me, and he'll do it for you. God has not given up on you. No matter what you're going through, you need to allow him to call you to life. Let's pray.